Welcome to D.A.R.E., the show for innovators, entrepreneurs, and startup leaders who dare to shape the future. Your hosts today are Ned Hayes and Cecilia Mariani. D.A.R.E. is brought to you by Darwaf, the superpower tech team that can make your vision a reality. The D.A.R.E. podcast is happy to welcome Ben Gerskier. Got to the it. show today. For over 30 years, Ben has been a leader in public safety and security. In Oklahoma, he led 14 public safety agencies under the state CIO. And then in Oregon, he served as assistant state CIO and in 2022, assumed the position of chief information security officer and director of state cybersecurity services. Ben works closely with law enforcement and public policy groups to ensure the safety of the state government and the citizens of the state of Oregon. So welcome, Ben. Thank you. Welcome to the show, Ben. So to kick things off, could you tell us what the role of Chief Information Security Officer is? What do you do for the state of Oregon? Oregon, thank you. It's a good question. The State Chief Information Security Officer, or in short, State CISO, Oversee cybersecurity services that protect state information assets and networks against cyber adversaries, internal or external. Furthermore, directs and manages cybersecurity service professionals and associated budgets. For example, the state cybersecurity organization is divided into four service verticals. I'll give you a good intro. So we've got a team that actually does cybersecurity architecture services, a team that does network security operations a team that does uh, security risk governance, and then the security operations center or the state SOC. All these are under the cybersecurity services the state provides to the state government. Got it. So one big question I have coming from the tech sector is how does government really work effectively? I'm asking this because some people <clears throat> in tech feel like they want to replace aspects of the government, but perhaps you can explain the role of government and how it makes us safer online, makes things safer generally. Well, Ned, I think that this is a very broad question. However, I will kind of give you a response from the perspective of cyber, cybersecurity, because that's a government service as well. So uh, I think you would see there is an extensive uh, collaboration between state and federal partners and other cybersecurity practitioners in the war against cyber criminals. So uh, the, the core services that we do in government is, as you know, government is entrusted with citizens' data to make sure it's secure, and also government services are available without any impact from cyber criminals or anything like that. So if you look at it, this service actually is provided through a number of ways. One of them is there is a timely sharing of cyber threat intelligence, assistance in cyber range exercises, cyber incident forensics, cyber policies and standards that are in use for actively fight cyber adversaries. And uh, of course, as you know, most of cyber adversaries are now foreign, government-sponsored. So there is a, a big challenge that government has to really be organized to protect data and make sure services are available to citizens and residents. That kind of gives you an idea from a cyber perspective, but every service vertical of government operates to make sure data is safe and services are available equitably to every resident in the state of Oregon or, or even federal. Well, that sounds like very important work. What kind of economic impact does that have just here uh, in the state of Oregon? Very good. I think when we talk about economic impact, let me give you an answer that has to do with cyber. 
and I think this is all about cyber. Uh, cyber attacks, if successful, have significant economic and security impacts. For example, in 2023, we had several ransomware attacks here in Oregon that impacted local city and county governments. Statistically speaking, the average ransom request has been $1.54 million, almost double that with what we've seen in 2022. Again, uh, this is a report provided by Sophos for 2023 that indicates mm -hmm. that's the average, but doesn't mean that's the minimum. We've seen, uh, for example, in the uh, business sector or in the casinos, challenges a lot more than that being requested. So when you have a significant in, you know, cyber incident, it can go in millions in terms of economic impact and service impact. Right, right. So mm -hmm. I read that ransomware worldwide last year was expected to cost up to or, or exceed $30 billion, uh, even though the average ransomware attacker is only requesting a few million, that really adds up. You so, don't. yeah. So are the bad guys winning? Are, are you pulling ahead? How do you compete with that? Very good. I think yeah, you're absolutely right. If you look at it globally and uh, mm -hmm. different kinds of attacks request different uh, types, sometimes you don't even get anything recovered after you pay. These are criminals. There is no uh, good handshake or contract with them. Sometimes you could really make their payment and then you get 60% of your data and then that's it. There's nothing much you can do to them. But to take you back to the um, real question is that, so a serious cyber incident can cost like millions of dollars. In most government sectors, we are fighting a good fight and have prevented millions of attempts by the bad actors. On 24 hour basis, we see a number of attacks that come internally, externally, and from way different side of the world that we drop and protect our assets. So there's no success in that. Occasionally they are successful when there is vulnerability or zero day attack that actually makes it into our systems. But I would not say by far they're, they're, they're winning. They are not winning. And uh, the attacks are getting more complex by far. And then of course we're seeing organized cyber crime syndicates that are posing serious threats. So in that capacity, we're also beefing up our, our protection capacity and detection with our federal partners to make sure those guys don't be successful. Well, I'm really glad that the good guys are winning. I mean, that's the, that's the message we want to hear. Um, yeah. Even though you're somewhat understaffed compared to national actors who are attacking attacking our systems, that's great to hear. Yeah, another dream had a number of new developments in AI and machine learning technologies over the past year. What impact has AI had on cyber security? Are you using right now AI? Yes, that, uh, I guess uh, no cyber security interview would be complete without a question about AI or generative yeah. AI. So it's a good question. Definitely there is a lot of uh, positive new developments in generative AI, especially the integration of natural language engines into generative AI. So again, using AI is not new to specialize services in government. And I can give you an example in law enforcement. We've had AI-driven facial recognition technologies, fingerprint-based identification systems, ballistics that use AI to overcome, you know, the sheer volume of data that we have to analyze and come back with, uh, you know, close to positive results. So AI has been in use. However, generative AI, including the natural language engine, changes this almost 180 degrees. Mm. So, sitting down and talking to a smart machine and getting the results you need without even hitting a keystroke is a big 
difference. So in cybersecurity, uh, we are very excited that we have uh, AI capabilities to really, uh, in, you know, look at the network flow, different type of uh, threat indicators to analyze them without a lot of work using AI and be able to block, you know, malicious attempts. We are very excited about that. We're also concerned that as much as we can use AI, the bad actors are also working hard to make sure they have AI-based attacks that they can multiplex their attempts fairly easily from different sides of the world. And so that is a challenge. So what we say to our agencies or anyone who uses in the public sector is that we have to balance security and functionality. We have to have a guided use of AI so we don't become victims pretty easily. Well, thank, thanks for that insight. I'm curious about other technologies that your office protects as well. What about things like AR, VR, and other new technologies? Does your office use other new technologies we haven't talked about? Yes, I think it's all about how you use it. Generally, uh, AI is going to be a good tool if it's used very mm -hmm. responsibly. So I can tell you, uh, I like any technology it needs to be managed and used with low risk so yes we do we do use ai and plan to use it further against our cyber adversaries in the state of oregon got it so when we talk about like virtual reality and uh things like roblox and and, and other like meta has a whole like world that they're planning mm -hmm. online do you actually extend your work into kind of the virtual space do you have agents or people out there actually monitoring uh, virtual reality? You know, not very much in that capacity, but we use simulations and virtual reality type products like doing cyber range, for example, when you do exercises about cyber attacks, we can use uh, products like that to simulate an actual attack over our network and be able to do a red team, blue team type exercises. As for outside of that, we do monitoring when traffic actually comes to us and proactively track it to make sure it's valid or not valid. But specifically looking at uh, virtual reality systems, that's not something that we're doing right now, but we use it for our advantage. Yeah, and now uh, it's like a mix between virtual reality and people talking like real people and virtual reality and AI together in order also to misuse maybe some, some information or to mention some incorrect information. Yeah. So even if you aren't in the virtual world, you are in continuing to chase down those who are trying to steal and misuse information. What's next for your red team and blue team? Again, I think, you know, uh, when you say what's next, the frontier yeah. of uh, cybersecurity now is going to be AI empowered. Mm -hmm. So definitely we need to stay on the edge to understand the, uh, the changes and the developments of AI and generative AI. So staying vigilant about it and very procedural, how we deal with it, uh, something that we're looking very closely from our policies all the way to our, our protective measures. But it's a welcome change. As you know, the digital world is going to expand like crazy. You know, AI is almost like recreating the internet. It's a, it's a lot of things that are going to change. So step-by-step step, in government, we want to make sure we take advantage of it for positive use and then prevent from the negative use, whether it's internal or external. So there's a lot more uh, planning 
and learning exercising that's going on to make sure that we take advantage of what's available as an opportunity and then make sure that we can defend against it as well got it well so we've looked kind of ahead to the future of ai virtual reality maybe we could do the the kind of christmas carol thing of looking looking back at the past so if you look at this past year back in 2023 because this is going to be broadcast the first week of 2024 what was your team's signature accomplishments last year what did you guys do i think uh well we did a lot of things but uh, <laughs> uh i can tell you that i'm very proud of the uh of my cyber teams and our federal partners and uh really combined formidable cyber defense that we put forth to protect, analyze, and support rural governments, special districts in Oregon, or county governments that are really underprivileged in terms of having the resources to defend against cyber. So the cyber awareness campaign that we did, and also the uh, collaborative effort to provide SOC services to those uh, who cannot do this is something I'm very proud of, to make sure that we really are supporting each other. So we're not giving any kind of age to those cyber criminals who really go to the, to the weakest link and try to infiltrate government. Yes. Well, your central mandate is information security. So as we enter this new year of 2024, do you have any suggestions for people in Oregon on how to keep your information safe? Maybe your top three recommendations? Definitely, I can do that. I, I think, you know, uh, when I when a state says those say top three, that doesn't mean we live in the others, too. I just want to make sure I qualify my answer. And then, yes, the mandate is security. It is actually cybersecurity. So <laughs> I can give you this recommendations to keep private information safe. The first one I would give is that practice proper cyber hygiene. Take security awareness classes. Be on the no side. Be aware. That's the first one is awareness. The second one is Back up your personal data and protect it. You know, make sure your personal data is backed up because it's not only that it will happen, it's just when somebody would be, you know, attacked or even be compromised. So the best thing to do is to have your backup and make sure it's protected. The third one is check your PII and financial data frequently and ensure that there is no activity you don't recognize. So checking is the third thing that we need to do as a, as a good practice. And then to that, I add, alert appropriate authorities if there is a suspicion of a fraud. What I mean by that is know who you normally would contact. I'm not talking about the police here. I'm talking about your financial institution frauding. So that if you know who to contact and, and quickly contact them, they can also save others, not you only. So those are the top three I would put in addition to the, you know, a longer list of uh, what we should do as a digital world. And we are really to pretty much combine it into our digital a world more than what we think. But these top three are really good things to do, regardless whether you're a young kid or a serious adult. Right. So I know people do things every day, make their information less secure. What should people stop doing? <laughs> <laughs> so I, most people are on their phones or tablets these days. So that's what we do every day. Mm -hmm. So I think make sure these devices are secure with biometrics or a long pin. Mm -hmm. Don't use, uh, you know, uh, best days and things like that for passwords and compromise yourself. So use uh, either biometrics or long pins on the device that you really use all the time. And then minimize unknown 
free apps from being loaded. Those are actually the vehicles hackers use to get to RPI data. The third one I would say is catch your laptops, PCs, and be on the latest OS on all your devices and back up your data to the cloud. A lot of people think backing up data to the cloud is expensive. I think it's not expensive for personal use. Actually, it's pretty cheap. And it, it does save you from a whole bunch of hurt if you've got serious documents that you want and they're compromised, you can't reach them. So I kind of leave you with that. Good recommendations. Thank you um, so much. So be aware, people. Be be aware of what you're doing yeah. on your devices and yeah. uh, secure it with biometrics or longer pins, not that yeah. one, two, three, four, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for sharing those recommendations, Ben. So I'm curious about your background. You serve as Chief Information Security Officer here in Oregon and in Oklahoma. It's a big shift from Oklahoma to out here in rainy Oregon. You've been here about five years now. What do you think uh, of Oregon so far? <laughs> you know, I've been to all uh, states in the U.S. except state of New Hampshire and Alaska. Hmm. And oh. Oregon, I think, is gifted and beautiful. Both the coast and central Oregon are very green. Oh, the waterfalls are amazing. Oh. So I'm very excited. Yeah. And so far, I've fallen in love with Oregon. That's great oh, to hear. Glad to have Me you too. here. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> OK, so final important question. Our podcast is about people who dare to dream. What do you dare to dream, Ben? What future do you dare to imagine you are creating? Wow. Interesting. So you're asking about a dream. So I'll give you one. So I dream about diversity and equity for all people on all opportunities. I think extreme development of AI will create a digital world that may get us there. You ask for a dream? There you go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's been really inspiring to hear a little bit of your journey and to hear your recommendations for the coming year. And I guess this is our first broadcast of the new year. So do you have any new year uh, greetings to our audience? <laughs> well, thank you for having me here. You've got great, interesting topics. Hopefully I've met uh, the expectations, but uh, thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Happy Thank New you. Year, everyone. Welcome to 2020. Thank you. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Ben. Have a good one, Ben. Take care. You too. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks to our guests today for their great insights on DARE, the podcast for innovators, entrepreneurs, and startup leaders. If you'd like your story to be featured on D.A.R.E., just contact us at info at darwaft.com. D.A.R.E. is brought to you by D.A.R.W.A.F.T., the tech team that can make your vision a reality.